Well, thank you guys for leading us in worship today. I always feel sorry for Edie on Sunday mornings because she feels like she's pushing a semi-truck across the stage when she rolls the pulpit out for me. But I appreciate you doing that, or else I'd be standing up here not having anything to set my Bible on. Well, I've got a message to share with you this morning out of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and we're going to look in verses 6 through 13. The title of this message is The True Light. The True Light. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to John chapter 1 and look at verses 6 through 13 with me. I'll read God's Word to you. If you didn't bring a copy of the Bible with you this morning, that's okay. The verses will be on the screen behind me. If you're a church member and you didn't bring your Bible this morning, shame on you. Bring it next week, all right? I mean, you got to come to the ball field with a glove and a ball and a bat, right? you got to come to church with a Bible in your hand. That's just how it works. Man, you guys are rough this morning. John chapter 1. Here we go. Here's, here's what God's Word says. Listen to this truth. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The true light. I want you to notice this simple message with me in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is the true light. Jesus is the true light. I'm going to need some help from a couple folks this morning, and uh, you don't know you're helping me out yet, but it's okay. You go along with this. Uh, Kaylee, you care to turn the lights off for me up there? You see that off button? Miss Shelley, do you care to turn around and flip that light switch off right there? There we go. All right. Now you're really going to have fun. You're really going to fall asleep now, aren't you? You guys ever been in the dark before? Maybe you've been camping. Uh, maybe you've been asleep. And all of a sudden, a light switch comes on in the bedroom. And maybe it, it's, it's a little brighter than this. Because maybe you're camping in a tent and you've all been asleep. And one of your kids wakes you up and he says, Hey, Dad, good morning. Or maybe it's one of those nights when you decide you're going to give your grandkids flashlights and they run around the house. And what's the first thing they do when they get a flashlight? They shine it right in your eyes, right? Just blinds you. It hurts a little bit. The light is meant to help us see in the darkness. The reason that John talked about the true light is because he knew that people were in darkness. Spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness 
is where things like hatred and fear dwell. But spiritual light is where things like the love and the power of God are found. And when God sent His Son Jesus into this world, He was shining spiritual light into spiritual darkness. Thank you, Shelly and Kaylee. If y'all don't care, flip those lights back on for me. Now you guys can see to read your Bibles that you didn't bring the church with you. All right? Here we go. I want you to notice with me in this passage today three responses to the true light. Three responses to the true light. The first response is in verses 6 through 8. This is the reflection of the true light. The reflection of the true light. All of a sudden, in the middle of this talk about Jesus, the one who was there from the very beginning of it all, the one who is the light, we are introduced to a man named John. We know him in the scriptures as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. The name John is a shortened, Hellenized form of the Hebrew name Yohanan. And his name means the Lord is gracious. This man, who was literally sent into the world by God, was the son of Zechariah or Zacharias, the priest that we read about at the beginning of Luke's gospel. Some of you remember the story about John's birth from around Christmas time. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, was born before Jesus was. And God, by sending John the Baptist, was preparing the way for his son, Jesus. The story goes like this, according to Luke's gospel. Zacharias was given the honor of offering incense inside the temple during the hour of prayer. He was serving as an aged man, and while doing so, he received a word from God, from an angel who appeared to him while he was in the temple, that his barren wife in her old age would conceive a son, and that they were to name him John. Zacharias did not believe the angel's message. So you remember what happened. The angel struck him mute. He couldn't speak. Until the day that John was born, the first time Zacharias opened his mouth after his muteness was when he announced the name of his son for the first time. His name is John. The Lord has been gracious. The Lord was indeed gracious in giving Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth a son in their old age. But John's purpose in life was far more than just making an old couple happy. His purpose in life was to prepare the way of the Lord Himself. His mother Elizabeth had a cousin named Mary who would give birth to her own son a few months afterward. He was placed in Mary's virgin womb by the Holy Spirit and was named Jesus because He would save His people from their sins. John was born to shine a spotlight on his cousin who happened to be in God's providential plan, the Savior of the world and the light of the world. John is called in the Bible a witness, one who brought testimony of the light. 
A witness, if you'll remember this definition I've shared with you before, a witness is a person who sees something, hears something, and tells what they have seen and heard to others. By bearing witness of Jesus, John was placing himself right in the middle of God's plan and purpose for his life. Everyone who heard John's voice heard him proclaim that God was sending the Messiah into the world. That they needed to repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Everyone who heard John preach heard him say that there was one coming after him who was so great and glorious that John was not even worthy enough to bend down on his knee and unloose the strap of his sandal. John would later proclaim this promised one as the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He would state in John 1.29 that this true light was the one who was the Lamb of God come to take away the sin of the world. John's fiery preaching style combined with his practice of immersing people in water when they repented of their sin as a symbol of cleansing and renewal attracted large crowds. John preached and people gathered to listen. But John was not preaching and baptizing so that he could get a bunch of attention for himself. He was ministering so that people would be ready for the Messiah. He was reflecting the light. He did not live to make much of himself, but to make much of someone else. That someone else is the one who came to bring true spiritual light into the darkness of this world. John knew that the purpose of his life was to reflect the light of the world by witnessing to as many people as possible. And did you know that just like God had a plan and a purpose for the life of John the Baptist, he has a plan and a purpose for your life too. John was created to reflect the true light. You were created to reflect the true light of Christ. God has a purpose for your life. You are not a random cataclysm of genetic information that came together by chance because some man and some woman had something once upon a time. God made you. And He made you on purpose and for a purpose. That purpose is to reflect the true light who is His Son, Jesus Christ. And if reflecting the light of God's Son, Jesus Christ, is not your purpose in life, you are living for the wrong reason. You're living for the wrong reason if you're not living to reflect the true light. And here's what's going to happen if you're living for the wrong reason. You're going to feel like you're walking around in darkness and chasing after shadows. You're going to be grasping for things you can never get Searching for things that can never satisfy. Jesus is the true light. John lived to shine a spotlight right on him. As many of you know, uh, Bryson and myself and Walter and Mary are going to go into Lesotho. I think we said that eight times today in the service. I'm excited. 
We're headed out Wednesday. We'll be gone about two weeks. We're blessed to be able to go. I want to thank those of you who have given to support our going on this trip. We haven't had to worry about expenses because the Lord has blessed us through your generosity to be able to go. I want to thank you guys for praying for us. Thank you guys for praying for Steph and my kids while I'm gone. I think we've had six different people offer to take the kids to school in the morning. We believe Jesus is the light of the world, but Stephanie's still in darkness about 7 o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> we, uh, we do. We, we appreciate the way you guys have supported us. I, I want to share with you an IMB article of a longtime missionary to Lesotho that I think will provide a powerful illustration of what it looks like to reflect the true light of Jesus in our day and time. The article reads like this. Jim Flora, an IMB missionary who served faithfully among the Basutu people of Lesotho in sub-Saharan Africa, died from cancer Friday, May the 8th of 2021. He was 63. From the pulpits of Missouri to the mountains of Lesotho, Jim was passionate about sharing the gospel and loved to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul Chitwood, IMB president, said, While he will be missed around the world, we know that many will one day stand before the throne of the Lamb one day because of Jim's witness. Many others show the kind of obedience that Jim so faithfully lived. Jim and his wife, Teresa, were appointed as IMB missionaries in 2008. Jim was an active church planter and evangelist who spent long days in the mountains sharing the gospel. Often he rode on horseback as many areas are not accessible by automobiles. Jim preached while Teresa, a nurse, served the villages using her medical skills. They were actively involved in connecting with partnering churches praying that each mountain and valley in Lesotho would hear the gospel. Friend and colleague, Darren Davis, spent many hours with Jim, both in his home observing Jim's love for his family and in the villages of Lesotho where Davis says Jim's passion for spreading the gospel is evident to all. The only person Jim talked about more than his family was Jesus. He had a deep passion to make Jesus known among the people living in every village, on every mountain, and in every valley across the mountain kingdom of Lesotho, Davis said. His love for the people of Lesotho ran deep, and his hope that they would turn to Jesus was contagious and resulted in numerous partners, missionaries, and African believers joining him to traverse the valleys, mountains, and paths to preach the gospel. Davis remembers hearing about one trip Jim was making on horseback. On the journey, Jim's horse sat down with Jim on its back and refused to continue. After Jim had a good laugh, which was also contagious, he got off his horse and he continued walking. An exhausted horse wouldn't stop Jim because there was a village at the end of the trail with people who needed to hear about Jesus, Davis recalled. Wonderful article. I want to ask you this question. If your life were to end today, whether you're an IMB missionary serving in Africa or a church member here at First Baptist in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas, 
Would people write the same about your life? They lived to reflect the light of Jesus Christ. Would that be the summation of your work in this world? Or would they say some true things about you that didn't point to the true light? I want to be one that lives out my faith in such a way that people say when I die, he pointed a spotlight on the Savior. And I think that you guys want to live that way too. Jesus is the true light. Are you living your life to reflect the true light? So we see the reflection of the true light, verses 6 through 8. But sadly, some do not reflect the true light of Christ. And that brings us to the second response to the true light. I want you to note in verses 9 through 11 the rejection of the true light. The rejection of the true light. The Apostle John, who authored this gospel account, makes it clear that John the Baptist was not the true light, but that John the Baptist did testify of the true light. That true light is Jesus, and Jesus gives light to every man. Verse 9 is better translated with the true light being the subject which was coming into the world. There's some other English translation that render it that way. And the New King James Version that I'm reading from this morning notes it in the margin. That verse 9 could be rendered this way. That was the true light which coming into the world gives light to every man. Jesus, the light of the world, came into the world. The statement that he gives light to every man coming into the world at the end of verse 9 might be confusing to some. And it has caused a great deal of misinterpretation and false beliefs. The fact that the true light gives light to every man does not mean universal salvation. That's the idea that all people are automatically saved, whether they trust in Jesus or not, simply because Jesus came. This statement does not mean that we come to know God through inner illumination. This is the idea that all people are born with with the light of Christ hidden inside of them. And the way that we discover God is deep within ourselves. That's not what John meant when he said that this true light coming into the world gives light to every man. Rather, this statement refers to the idea that every person may have the proper perspective through Jesus. He is the true light by which we see everything. A good thought that may summarize this idea comes from C.S. Lewis. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Jesus gives perspective as the true light. He shines into the darkness of our sin, exposing it so that we either repent of it and receive salvation or reject it and receive judgment. The wonderful truth is that the light of the world came into the world. The Word took on flesh. The creator of human beings 
became a human being to shine the true light of God into the darkness of sinful human nature and a world marred and marked by the dark effects of that sin. But the author of the gospel also tells us about the tragic reality concerning those who reject the true light who came into the world. Verse 10 says he was in the world, the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. Though he made the people of the world, they did not even realize who Jesus was. There are many in this world today who are still living who do not know who Jesus is. Later on in his life, Jesus would stand in front of Pilate, the Roman governor over Judea. And Pilate would look him straight in the eyes and ask this question. What is truth? The truth is that truth was standing right in front of him. He didn't even know it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. After that conversation, Pilate would allow Jesus to be crucified on a Roman cross. The world didn't know him. As if it was not bad enough for the Creator to be unknown by His creation, we're given a second tragic fact in verse 11. That He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. His own refers to the Jewish people. The true light of the world, Jesus, came to His own people, the Jews, and they did not receive Him. The Jews were the very people to whom and through whom God had promised to send the light. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, we read of the prophetic promise to the Jews through the Jewish prophet Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death Upon them a light has shined. But when God flipped on the switch by sending the light of the world into this world, the Jewish people switched it right back off. After all, the reason that, the Pilate, that, that Pilate, the Roman governor, allowed Jesus to be crucified is because Jesus' own people, the Jews, demanded it. They were the ones crying out, Crucify Him, crucify Him, crucify Him. Turn off the light. We don't want to see our sin. We don't want to know the truth. And the sad truth is that rejection still occurs today. Some years ago, before I became the pastor here, a lady visited First Baptist Church. She came to trust in Christ for salvation uh, Brother Mark Harris, our pastor at the time, baptized her. She became a member here. She has since moved to another state. I haven't heard from her in several years. And although she became a believer, her husband did not. But she begged him to come to church, invited him repeatedly, and sometimes he did. He would come to worship service on Sunday mornings. And one particular Sunday, uh, after he had come several times... I had had the opportunity to preach that morning and he walked up to me after the church service and he looked me square in the face and he said, Jake, 
I just want you to know today you helped me see the light. And I, I thought to myself, like, man, the conversation happened in the hallway between uh, Shelly and Kai Rorex, between that hallway back there. I remember it. I'd gone out that door between Philip Midkip and Jeff Riders, walked out that door and caught him in the hallway. He looked at me. Jake, today you've helped me see the light. And I thought, man, this is great. This guy's going to get saved. This is going to be awesome. It's wonderful. And I said, man, that, that's good news. But before I could continue and say anything else, this little evil smirk kind of came across his face. I don't really know how to describe it any other way. And he said, yeah, I actually kept my eyes open when you were preaching today. You're not as boring as that other guy. He took off down the hallway, walked out the door. That's it. I was kind of standing there in shock like, did this just really happen? It did. To my knowledge, that man has never come to know Jesus. I hope he has. If he hasn't yet, I hope he does. But the tragic truth is that unless he does before he dies, he is going to spend eternity in darkness, separated from God. And it's not because of what he said to me. It's because he's rejected the light. When he dies, he is going to bust hell wide open. How sad that is. That God would send the light of the world into the world to save the world from the darkness of sin. But men and women who love sin and the darkness more than the light of truth reject it outright. Now listen to me. You may be sitting there kind of thinking, there's no way anybody could ever say that. It happened. But I'll share this with you too. That's not the only way people can reject the light. Some of you may be coming to this church for 10 years and you may be sitting in a pew listening to me preach this morning. And you haven't said something as crazy as, Jake, I actually kept my eyes open today when you were preaching. You're as boring as some people. You might be rejecting the light by just simply saying, ah, you know, young pastor Jake, he just doesn't know what he's talking about. All that Bible stuff, ah, there's a few good things in there. But Jesus being the only way, ah, I really don't know about that. Whether you say something mean or you truly don't believe in your heart and don't ever tell anybody else, rejection is rejection. You may be here this morning, you've rejected the true light numerous times. The Lord Jesus did not come to condemn you, but to save you. And despite your many refusals to repent of your sin and be saved by Him, or mockery, or scorn, He will save you today if you'll come to Him. Listen to me right now. If that guy who said that to me in that hallway years ago were to walk in this sanctuary right now and say, Jake, in all honesty, my eyes really are open. I need Jesus, the light of the world, to save me from the darkness of my sin. You know what Jesus would do? He'd save him. And I hope I'd get to lead him to the Lord. Listen, God wants you to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true light. Even if you have rejected him in the past, he'll still save you today if you'll come to him. Have you rejected the true light? 
Not all rejected Jesus. Not all do reject Jesus. Some believe in Him. And for those who do believe in Him, something wonderful transpires. And I want you to note the third response to the true light in verses 12 and 13. The reception of the true light. To receive the light is to accept that the one that God has sent is indeed the very truth of God. We are to welcome Jesus into our hearts by faith, believing that He is the Christ and the Son of God, just as John declared in his gospel account. We are to believe that He came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, was buried in a tomb, that he rose again from the dead, never to die again, and that one day soon he is returning to fully and finally establish God's kingdom. The moment that we truly trust in Jesus, we become bearers of the name of God. He calls us his children, and we call him our Father. God is the creator of all people. But he is father only to those who come to him through faith in his son Jesus. We are able to call upon God as our father when we come to faith in Jesus. Because believing in Jesus brings about a spiritual rebirth. A birth that is not of flesh and blood, nor of our own design, but of God's planning and purpose of his will. For our lives. He wants everyone to receive the true light, to experience the spiritual rebirth. I want to share with you this message of the true light that Jim Flora and many other missionaries to the Basutu people have shared over the years. It's the message that Bryson and I, along with several others, will be sharing the next two weeks as we encounter people in Africa as well. In the spiritual realm, there are two kingdoms. In the beginning, there was God and only God. The Bible teaches in the book of 1 John, God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. His kingdom is the kingdom of light. He is the creator. He created everything. The mountains, the sky, the rivers, the animals, the people, and even the air that we breathe. He created everything that we see with our eyes and everything we don't see. He created all the things on earth and all the things in heaven. He created the angels to worship Him. One of these angels, the one that we now know as Satan, did not want to worship God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be worshipped, so he rebelled against God, and some of the angels followed him. Because of his rebellion, God cast Satan and these angels out of heaven. Those angels became demons, and Satan became the ruler of the kingdom of darkness. And he hates everything about the kingdom of light. There are differences between these two kingdoms. In the kingdom of light... There is love, freedom, peace, and the power of God. In the kingdom of darkness, there is hate, slavery, anger, and fear. 
Remember that God is the creator and he created everything. He created the very first man and woman to glorify and worship him. We know them as Adam and Eve. God even created a perfect place for them to live and provided for all of their needs. The Bible tells us that they walked with him and had fellowship with him. They lived in the kingdom of light. As they lived in his provision for them, he told them that there was one thing they were not allowed to do. They could not eat from one tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Adam and Eve lived in the garden of fellowship with God. But remember, Satan hates everything about the kingdom of light. He came to the man and the woman in the form of a snake and deceived them, telling them that if they ate the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that God told them not to eat, they would become like God. The woman and the man listened to Satan and disobeyed God. We call disobedience to God sin. And the moment they sinned, the Bible tells us sin entered into this world. And Adam and Eve moved from the kingdom of light to the kingdom of darkness. Romans 1 says that man exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So man traded the things of the kingdom of light for the things of the kingdom of darkness. They traded love for hate, freedom for slavery, peace for anger, and the power of God for fear. And because of the sin of Adam and Eve, according to Romans chapter 5, Every one of us who is born is now born into the kingdom of darkness. We live with hate. We live with anger. We live in slavery to sin and we live in fear. For generation after generation, people continued to live in darkness. They tried many things to reach God on their own, to return to the kingdom of light. They tried to obey laws. They tried to do good things. They even sacrificed animals trying to obtain the favor and approval of God. But none of these things brought them back to the kingdom of light. God knows that we all live in this kingdom of darkness. And that there is nothing we can do on our own to move back to the kingdom of light. So he sent messengers to tell people that a savior was coming. Because he knows we need to be rescued from the darkness. He knew we were helpless to return to the kingdom of light on our own. And he knew that the only way to rescue us was for God himself to enter into the darkness and bring light to the world. So God in his love for us provided a way for us to return to the kingdom of light. God sent His Son, Jesus, to rescue us. Jesus, who was God, came in the flesh and lived a perfect life without sin. He told people that He was God and proved it through many miracles. He multiplied people's food. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. 
He showed his power over nature by calming storms, and he even cast out demons. This made the religious leaders angry, and they had Jesus beaten and crucified. He could have stopped it because he was God, but he willingly went to die on the cross. He died on the cross for your sins and for mine as the perfect payment for our sins so that if we place our faith and trust only in Him, we would be forgiven and receive eternal life. They buried Him, but He rose from the dead on the third day, showing His victory over sin, death, and hell. Jesus is the only way For us to return from darkness to the kingdom of light. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If we desire to become a part of the kingdom of light, it must be through faith in Jesus Christ only. When we place our faith in Jesus only, the Bible says we are rescued from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light. We can trade our anger for peace. We can trade our slavery for freedom, our hatred for love, and our fear for the power of God. Are you happy living in darkness and fear? Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the true light. Have you received the true light? Today you've heard three possible responses to the true light of Jesus. Reflection, rejection, and reception. We were designed to reflect the true light. We will face judgment if we reject the true light. And we become children of God if we receive the true light. Jesus is the true light. Will you receive and reflect the true light of Jesus?